Time beat him. Time, you know, takes everybody out. It's undefeated. There he is. The man, the myth, the legend. The Thank guy. you. I, I appreciate that. I like that. That's what I tell myself all the time. And then I come out, make a coffee, and Sue hammers me and says, you're not a legend. Take the garbage out. I think the good thing about seeing you back on the podcast, Mike, is that means uh, things are going good in uh, in the Yo Philly Rocky Film Tour uh, arena. You must have had a good couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, we're we're going we're we're doing a, a tours anyway three three to four tours a week now, which we're getting busier. I love and guys that say we. Is your wife in business with you? So she part it, of it. So she's part of it in the sense that it couldn't exist without her. Mm-hmm. In that sense, yes, she's part of it. That makes sense because your wife comments on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I she loves your little Instagram. message, and I'm like, she's involved in this. Yeah, yeah, she is. It doesn't ha- like okay. She doesn't drive the car, and she's not putting the hat on and acting like Rocky. Okay, I, I do all of that. I do the bookings and so on. But what she does, she gives me, um, I guess, she takes the a lot of the weight off my shoulders, and she takes it on hers. Like um, for uh, the consistent, she's the consistent breadwinner. During this COVID thing, right? Mm-hmm. And more importantly than that is the fact that she gets, you know, benefits. <laughs> there are no benefits on the Yo Philly Rocky Film Tour company, okay? Right. We don't offer them to our employees. Right. So, you know, but what, is, got... but what is, I'm curious what, because, you know, any person that has a career, you know, and is, is married, usually yeah. the husband or the wife, you know, maybe not. Maybe there's some careers yeah. where you don't need help from who you're married to. But what what does your wife do for the Yo Philly Rock Tour specifically? Specifically, she yeah. listens to all my bad ideas and makes sure I don't use them. <laughs> that specifically is what she does. She gets it first. Does she so, do the books? No, 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 no. I take care of all that. She's got a, the physical stuff. I take care of all of that stuff mm-hmm. because she has so much. I mean, she does anywhere from 60 to 70 hours a week. Oh, wow. Just on, on her job. Really? That's weekly. That's no Jeez. that's no BS that that is how it is. But she, it doesn't sound that important, but it, it is. She listens to the ideas because mm, I don't know that that's a little too cringeworthy. And what happens is her part is so incredible because if I don't sell a tour in the 3 4 hours I'm doing it, and if if people don't feel come away with like a, an wow factor they're not gonna they're not gonna write the reviews they're not gonna tell friends about it and that's how i've gotten to where i am by that so she listens a lot in the beginning i mean you know she would go on the tours with me (laughs) and at the end of the tour you know she would she goes how about some feedback and i go well i guess i'm getting it anyways and she goes why did you stay in here's one of her best things she's ever done she told me at the end of one tour why did you stay in character the entire time 
And I go, what are you talking about? And she goes, the entire time, you weren't Mike. You were Rocky. And she goes, this guy was trying to talk to you. He was trying to have a conversation with you. <laughs> like, you know, what was what's life like? Not just Rocky-centric. And you were like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I don't know. What are you talking about? This guy from Scranton? I'm Rocky from Philly. I don't know. What, what are you meaning by these words here, you know? And she goes, it was cringeworthy. She goes, why don't you just kind of like step out of character for just you know, a moment go in and out of character. And in that way, you know, it's, it's, you can have a conversation and, and that is exactly where I'm at now. And I've been there because of that. Now think about it, Joe, if I stayed in character the whole time, it's so weird. You can't have a normal conversation with me. And I found that people love to talk about themselves. They love, they love to tell their little stories as, as far as they relate to Rocky and they're wonderful. I always come away a better person for it. So, if anything, that's what she does. Well, that's really, uh, it's interesting. And it, it made me realize why I think we connect and why yeah. opposites attract. Mm. Um, I've told you the things, uh, as a stand-up comedian, my wife is the same where, you know, when she would come to a show, she'd find a nice way to give a little critique. Um, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. You know, like she, I yeah. only got I only got to do the remember when one man show once because it was right before COVID at this big theater in South Jersey. She came because a lot of her friends were coming because um, it was in the Philly area. And my wife went to Georgetown um, for college and like four of the people she graduated from Georgetown with that she was good friends with all moved to the Philadelphia area and they came to the show and her critique, which, you know, this doesn't happen a lot with, you know, because our wives yeah. find find the mistake more than the positive. <clears throat> but she goes, that's that's a very marketable thing what you just did. And mm. um, that's probably one of the best things I've seen you do. She likes really that. And the Fixing Joe web series are the two things that she likes the best that I've done in all the years that we've been together. But at the same time, the opposite where your wife said um do rocky why are you not being you you should do rocky Mm -hmm. here and then you do you here my wife i think i told you says get rid of rocky completely you're so good as joe matarese that you don't need the impersonations she just that she never liked because i would every every hour set had some sort of rocky jokes mixed in some sort of tony soprano jokes any voice that I could do, I would try to write a clever joke for it. I'd have a, I'd do Harry Callis, the Philadelphia Phillies announcer. I'd yeah. come up with a bit for that guy. And I used to think she was wrong. And then there were times I thought she was right. Then I would think she was wrong again. And I'm, I'm back to starting to realize now that, um, she, she's, she's pretty right. I, you can get yeah. away with doing it if it's for really short amounts of time. It's not a big deal. But de- it's unbelievable on my, like my TikTok right. has gotten up to 40,000 followers now. It was at like 20,000 followers like two, three weeks ago, and it just nice. jumped. And yeah. whenever it's stand-up bits that aren't me doing an impression, mm-hmm. thousand times better. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I got like 1.4 million views on a video that was about... uh. I think it was about how rich husbands get away with more. Yeah, that's great like stuff. One point four, and then like that's Italian, you know, it, 
Italy Italians versus the Italian Americans like that one. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then the Latino wives, those three. Right, right. I love the arguments that people get in in those freaking comments. You oh, get, people are oh, they're arguments. brutal. Holy Christ. They're brutal on TikTok. Jesus. Yeah. What's your big, happy. what's your your biggest is probably the Stallone one. What's the biggest one that you've just done alone? My social media wise. No, there's no rhyme or reason on on mine. It, whether I'm doing Rocky on the street or whether I'm doing a reply from a Rocky room in my basement. The Rocky replies from my basement gets me four, five, six hundred thousand views. It's ridiculous. It's uh, one simple one. Well, guy accused me of I was it was all bullshit. I wasn't friends with Stallone. So I went over to my picture <laughs> wall and I show and I started talking. I said, yep, I'm not friends with him. I don't know anything about him. This picture didn't happen. This didn't. Ha and people, because I slammed this one guy with the pictures in the background, I think I got almost. 500,000 just on that one alone. The one with me and Stallone, I got a couple million on that one. That's almost at 2 million, um, but it keeps growing. So, and other things, I, I don't know. Um, on a little smaller level, I have dozens and dozens of replies that get 60 to 100,000 views. Like, just a shout out. I do these stupid, lame shout outs like this guy from Scotland. Uh, he said, hey, I'm Jackson from Scotland. Can you give me a shout out? And I just hold it. Yo, Jackson, how you doing? Keep punching. And you do the fist to the camera. That's it. Like nine seconds. And it gets 25,000 views in, in moments. I, and, and then other things I craft. You and I have spoken about this. You think it's going to take off. And you get maybe 500 views. And you're like, well, that didn't work. I have no idea. Yeah, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's. I. You tell me your thoughts on this. And yeah. this is not pre planned conversation, everybody. Yeah. This is like, we're just talking right now. You know, this is true. This just came into my mind. Do you think to be really successful, let's say, not in life or whatever. Let's talk just social media success. Do yeah. you think you should a, a, a performer? Because we we're both performers. Yeah. Do you think we should be aware of what does best social media wise, or should we just be clueless, throwing shit out there and seeing what happens? So I. So I'm yes and yes on that, and it's not because I don't want to take a a position on it. Mm -hmm. One. I think you should be aware of what does well um, because I think people will, they, right. they will more will follow you because of what you, they're liking you're doing. But the other thing is you start to go down that road and it could be a very slippery slope. If you start stepping out of a, what's natural, what like these things just come for me. I don't pre-plan them. I just get, go do them and it either works or it fails. Once I start worrying about, it, oh my god, I'm gonna start doing this thing, or if I'm gonna, I write this little skit, no, I, I come at it this way, it, it drives me nuts. My IBS acts up. I'm miserable, and that's why ultimately I don't care. I really, I just don't care. I'm gonna do what I do. I'm gonna put it out there, and at some point, I'm gonna get off TikTok. I mean, it, it's, it's, I'm gonna get off all social media really? at some point. Yeah, don't you, you don't think it's essential for business these days? Yeah, but yeah, but listen to what I said. <laughs> At some point, some I'll point. get off. What? When you At some point. When you retire and you're not even More giving than likely, yeah. When you're More 85 than likely. and you're done doing Rocky Tour. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah, I got a I'm big on. house I got to pay off. I was so, going to say, yes. you and I are both in a 
career where right. we're not retiring at a normal age. No, unfortunately, the dream of retiring at 56 is probably not going to happen. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's not. But, you know, the one thing I, I learned from my parents about retirement is to pay off that house before you retire. And, and I, I see how much really? easier. Oh, God. Yeah. I see how much easier my parents have it because and I asked them all all the time. Their thing is, thank God we paid the house off and they didn't. I don't think they worked too late. I think I, they're going to kill me because I forgot the exact year they retired. But I think they've been retired four, five years, six years now. Or maybe it just seems like they've been, maybe they retired longer. I don't know. But they didn't retire like they didn't work forever. Like they got out on the younger side of the retirement circle. Hmm. Well, I guess that's fitting. I guess we have a theme at the beginning here, which is uh, age is undefeated, right? That's what he said. That's what he said. Am I That's getting what it right? Said. Yep. Because uh, we got to cram some things in here at the top because we have a we have a great interview today, by the way. Sure Mark. do. Sure we, do. Um, we have um, Rich Redman on the show. We have an interview. He's actually uh, he's the drummer for uh, for. Am, I could say this. Jason Aldean. Jason Aldean. Jason Aldean. I, said, I think I might have pronounced it wrong when I was interviewing him. Uh, right. My uh, people have asked me, how'd you get Jason Aldean? Actually, I want to do a shout out to a comedian that I started with in Philly, uh, Steve Cooper. He does a podcast where he interviews tons of... Uh, he's really into music, so he, he interviews a lot of really cool musicians. And I contacted him. I go, who fits from pretender to contender out of all the interviews that you've done. And he said, uh, yeah. this guy, Rich Redman, he's a motivational speaker. He's a drummer. He's an actor. He's like, does like five right. things. It's unbelievable. I didn't know that you could do that many things and, and, and be successful at it. But I guess yeah. if it's all show business, you know, you could be a talk show host, an actor, a singer, like, you know, and, and it, it, it you know, I guess it would be weird if you, but you see it. I mean, I guess technically Stallone owns the. He still does he. He still owns Planet Hollywoods, right? Or does he no, not? Did he sell not, all that. No, he, he never, never owned he, that. He never owned them. No, no, no. He was just a shareholder, and he was the face. He Arnold and Bruce. Were but the a shareholder's isn't a shareholder considered an owner? I mean, he makes profit me, if it does well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He does. He does. Like, I, I always look at it from a more more of a street level thing. Like when I hear the owner of a company, they're extremely hands in on the minutia of everything. Like an owner knows everything about it. And I don't know that that was sly. I, I don't know that he was getting I I was always under the impression and I could be wrong. I've never spoken to him about this. So I'm strictly speaking for myself. I thought he was he would show up and he's the face. And then the people that ran the business, the, the books and so on, they were all looked over by Keith Barish, who was really the, the brains behind planet Hollywood. Um, I could be totally wrong on that. Are all planet Hollywood's casinos too? All planet Hollywood's are essentially closed. Now at one point there was like 50 or 60. Of they're them. gone. And now they're gone. I think there's only like three uh, left, you know, I, know I, that I, they were gone. Yeah, I, I think um, there's one overseas somewhere. The one in Myrtle Beach closed up a year or two ago, and I used to really enjoy that one. Um, the one in New York is still going, but 
the downside to Planet Hollywood now is that none of the merchandise, none of the stuff, the original Rocky Stallone First Blood stuff, all that's gone. He sold all of that at auction uh, years back. So if there are Stallone things in there, it's not the original. It, they're just replicas. Oh. And so, yeah, I don't know. We can go to your I, basement if we want. Well, replicas. you can come here to my basement <laughs> and look at the replicas. I'll serve you fries and a burger and a yingling, and it won't cost you anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go to Planet, you go to Planet Hollywood. I remember the first time we went to Hollywood. Well, my brother and his wife, Debbie, and Sue, it was in the early 90s when it opened up on West 57th Street. And when we walked in, it, I mean, it was amazing. The delights and the, everything was so phenomenal. But a burger and fries, it was like $42. And I thought, holy Christ. But again, you're paying for the ambiance and, and all that stuff. And you're also paying on the chance, if you're there, that the stars might come by. Because, you know, if you read my book, Cue the Rocky Music, you will see that that absolutely did happen between Sly and I. And it was a pretty remarkable story. So, But it wasn't. That wasn't... Um unannounced he didn't just happen to be there right you guys he just happened to be there oh no? yeah really it was on my birthday as a matter of fact slide just wrote me about this he saw he he wrote on on my post i wrote the story on my instagram it was a few days ago and he said it was an honor to see me and he said he's still waiting for my birthday cake from you mike and so it was kind of cool what he wrote but i go through the whole story where it was a surprise birthday party for me uh it was yeah i saw the post with your yeah, wife yeah. You know, on the pictures and stuff i didn't i thought your wife had inside information that she knew he was going to show up and said no. hey turn around look who's behind you no 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 idea accident. nothing what are the odds of that and i bitched and moaned that morning i didn't even want to go to new york city i thought we were going to go to Atlantic City. I was all keyed up to go to Atlantic City and right. have fun. Right? And I didn't want to go to New York, walk around. It was too much. And she goes, oh, come on, we're going to go. We're going to have a great time. I said, okay. So made the best of it. And we're walking around, having a great time. And there's my family. And she had that all set up. So we go into Planet Hollywood and we're waiting. And that's Stallone happened to be filming Copland across the the river in Edgewater, New Jersey, right yeah. by the GW. Right. And he was just having a meeting in the back room. And when he comes walking through the restaurant, you could hear a, there was a palpable change in the air. It, 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 the clanging of the, the, the silverware, the talking all quieted down. And he was the three or four guys, and he comes walking towards me. And his hair was darker, big aviators, and he had this huge Hawaiian shirt to hide the weight gain for Sheriff Freddie Heflin. And, you know, my everybody was screaming in my ear, and I'm watching Stallone on the video. They had those old videos of Stallone's greatest hits and Arnold's greatest hits and the set to I Need a Hero. This is so corny and cheesy. Jesus, I sound yeah. like such a geeky fanboy. It's horrible. And my mother's like, Michael, turn around. I go, wait, I'm watching Sly on TV. And my father's like, Michael, turn around. And Sue's like, Jesus Christ, Mike, turn around. And my mother gets my head, and she snaps it to the left. And I'm literally like 12 feet, 10 feet six feet from slide he's looking at me and he sees my family we're waiting in the bar area for a table to open up and he sees my family going nuts and i'm frozen just deer in the headlights and, I <laughs> and he's going he takes the glass off and he that he gives you that look like hey you're gonna say something go ahead and uh, he go no okay and he puts the glasses back on and he just and he had this rolling sloppy gait to him because i believe he was in character for freddie heflin if you go back and watch probably how was he, he yeah. was and because he really stays in character to some degree when he's doing these characters anyways he gets to the end of the door and 
I don't know, I unfroze myself and I screamed at high pitch. Do you remember how Ross screamed like a girl when he was scared in Friends? He was hiding behind the curtain. He just yeah. screams like a high-pitched girl. That was me screaming, Sly, you're the best, you're the best. And he takes his glasses off and he goes, oh, thank you. And then he goes out the door and he gets into the limo. My father, who <laughs> I think you and I would agree as maniac tendencies, he <laughs> jumps over the line. He goes, Sly, Sly, that's my kid. It's my kid's birthday. It's my kid's birthday. And his bodyguards started to close around my father as Sly got into the car to leave and that was it you know, it was it was it was rather interesting and then to for slide to now know that story in depth it meant a lot to me you know it it, it really did <laughs> also embarrassing but funny wow i can uh your wife must have felt like <sighs> the greatest hero ever like actually she she's like i can't even believe that i decided to come here and that ha that's just that's How do you top that fate, birthday man. present? That's just, you yeah, you can't top that one. <laughs> That's no unbelievable. way. No way. Un unreal. Unreal. Oh, God. I wish I wish I was there to see your... Uh... <laughs> Dude, the picture that I posted, we're all sitting at the table. My whole family, we're sitting there. And I, the waitress, I didn't want them to take the picture because I was crying. Right. God, this is such a fanboy moment. No, no, no. Share it. Share it. I love this. This... Stuff. This is this was the first time I got so close to him. Um, I didn't have time to prepare, to be nervous over it. It just happened. And then right when it was over, our table opened up. So I didn't even have time to stand there at the bar and process what was just happening to me. I, oh, okay, got to go to the table. And so we're sitting there, and I just, we're trying to look at the menu, and we're all in a little bit of awe at that moment, but I just start crying. I couldn't even read the menu. <laughs> so everybody, they got it, you know, they go, oh. But I was like, oh, my God, I, it's my birthday. I just saw, you know, this icon, this guy that has, you know, been his character, Rocky, has right. been such a North Star in my life. What, what birthday was it again? How old were you? Uh, so that would have been 96. When did Copland come out? 96? This would have been 95, I think. Uh -huh. So so I was born in 68. 78, 88, 98. 98, I would have been 40. Like 38. I was, I was like 38. And <laughs> I'm crying. And so you could see my eyes are so glossy. I just had to sh shake it off and just try to be. And then the whole day, I, the rest of the day, I was totally in la-la land. I, I couldn't talk. I think you're doing the math wrong. Let's add that up again. So if I was born in 68. Right. 78. 88. 98. 28. Sorry. Yeah, 28. I was going to say. <laughs> I, I rarely have good math. No, thanks uh, for pointing out my worst. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, because I'm, I'm the same age. I'm 67, and I'm going, dude. We weren't, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't in our 40s then. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really fucking depressed. Right <laughs> yeah. No, see, that's it, <laughs> Joe. I but don't ask me to spell because as bad as I am at math, spelling is worse. Like at some point, like apparently they spell cat with a C now. So like I'm so horrible at spelling, it's it's atrocious. So. Well, I don't think you're bad at math. I think you're actually emotional over again. Like you're mm. not imagine everybody how emotional Mike was when that moment really happened <sighs> that you got emotional retelling the story this many years later. I, I don't think I'm trying to think who I would meet that would give me an emotional where I'd almost feel like crying. I'm trying to think yeah. who it would be. I guess 
That's a tough one. I don't. Yeah, but see, that's the thing, Joe. I think most well balanced yeah, people wouldn't. Right? Well, they wouldn't do that. It, 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 but there was something with this character Rocky that yeah, shaped my life. You know, yeah. and and not until later. Not until years later, when when I got to spend more time with him on the set of Rocky Balboa and the set of Creed, I saw. I really finally understood. He's just a guy. He's a dad. He's a brother, a son. Uh, he's a normal human being who wakes up in the morning, bad breath, messy hair, and has to go to the bathroom like I do. And I, it, it just then, dawned on me. The worst, the worst thing, thing happened. happened. That could, could happen to any fighter. fighter. You got civilized. That's, That's exactly it. That might be your best cue ever. <laughs> That might be because I hate that when you do that, and that might be the best. That might be your best one ever. That's the truth. <laughs> you, you I, just, I just, and the nominees for best. The nominees are out. yes, exactly. In a no, podcast, I, I, I think, uh, I think that was. It's just a when you, it dawns on you, and you're like, ah, I finally had enough life experience to understand. This is not a. No human should be on a pedestal, but what Sylvester represents. That character, Araki, that to me is really what should be on a pedestal because that's a symbol. You know, it's like what Christian Bale says in Batman about a, not a man, but a, a bat. It's a symbol. It represents something. And that's what Rocky does. And Sylvester, because I had this conversation with him and he he'll be the first to tell anyone. Sylvester Stallone shouldn't be worshipped or idolized. Rocky. OK, we can do that. And that was my romantic visions in my mind as a kid but he, but he created it so i mean as a creator i mean sure i can, am in all the people that can that created something like that that is that, right that everlasting you know but that's not going to make you cry you know what i mean that's not that's not going to emotionally bring you to something your no i could see it i'm trying to think of some if I met some sort of writer that, you know, where they wrote something that really speaks to me that way. Yeah. Or if I met, um, I could see meeting Springsteen or something like that. And, and right. he, his music hits me in that emotional sure. way. Like the rock right. character hits you. Yeah. I, I could, you know, if I talk to him for a moment and, you know, if they said something about, something that i did like i had heard eddie murphy get interviewed <clears throat> recently i might have said this a few podcasts back because he's been doing all these interviews for his new movie right. and uh he tells a story of him meeting richard pryor on an airplane yeah and he hands richard pryor uh a recording to listen to on his like you know back then whatever a walkman or headphones right He's right. like, this is my new comedy album. I'd love you to listen to it, which must have scared the shit out of him because now he's on the plane behind him. Yeah. Watching yeah. his his, you know, his idol listen to his fucking new stand up album. It's crazy. And he's hearing Richard Pryor laugh and he's seeing his head like go. Ah, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, and then he talks to him after he listens to the whole thing. He goes, wow, you're really good. You remind me of a young me. And he ends up giving him a ride in his limo home. And like, you know, I can imagine if you ever had something yeah. like that happen. Um, it's, it's 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 crazy. And that's what that was to you. Yeah. Well, when you know? we were on the set of Creed, uh, Creed 2, we were talking um, 
outside the Victor Cafe, he uh, he had said well, we we were talking in depth about the Rocky tours that I do and everything, and he kept shaking his head in disbelief. And he said two things to me. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, he goes, "What a brilliant idea to come up with a Rocky tour." He goes, "In a hundred years, I'd never." I'd never think of something like that. He goes, that's amazing. And then he, he goes, he goes, you're like an ambassador to Rocky Land. He goes, that's really what you are. You're like an ambassador. And I'm thinking, holy shit. Right, right. Here's this guy who created a character that I rotated, the the, the axis of my life rotated around this character. And now the creator of the character is telling me these good things. Wow. And so, but in that moment, you can't go to pieces. And to be honest, I had quite a lot of meetings or I don't want to call them meetings because they were never on the books, but I had been around them enough and spoken to them enough at the, by this point, a dozen, two dozen times, you know, that star worship quality thing that wasn't there. But when you're so humbled, you you become a little speechless. And and if anybody sees this video that knows me, they'll know I'm, I'm like get my hands in my pocket and I'm just like, uh-huh. Because <laughs> that's not me. Usually I'm very, boom, you know, I'm, right. I got a little bit of Kevin Hart going on. You know what I mean? Boom. Right. See, this is why I do it because it's going to go like this and that's what it is. And it's just that, that Kevin, it's, uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm rambling. Let's move on. <laughs> See what happens? I'll go down this road for 10 hours and nobody gives a shit. So let's move on to something more important and funnier. Uh, I was trying to hit my... Let's get back to talking about... Let's let's uh, get back to talking about Rich because I uh, I uh, I can't wait for everybody to see this interview. Yes, yes. Uh, we, have a, we have a great uh, interview coming up in a, in a second with Rich Redman as you're listening to, uh, to us do episode eight. Uh, yeah, I wanted to share with you a little bit about my life. I'll, I'll do it a little bit at the end of this podcast because I, uh, I started a new thing uh, where I'm, uh, I'm actually have a, I guess you would call it, I have a day job three days a week and uh, I'm loving it. And nice. it's, it's, it's put me in a good mood and I'm starting and I'm able to bring a lot of things together and connect things. Beautiful. I'll, I'll talk about it in the end because uh, this Rich Redman interview I think I think we'll have a good takeaway from it. So yeah. uh, so let's go right to his interview. Uh, we'll be uh, right back as I uh, as I find our little uh, fuck it fuck it. We'll be uh, we'll be right back with Rich Redman, everybody. You know, as I get older, I tend to appreciate different things. One thing I love now more than I ever have in the past is some unique furniture. Not just any furniture, unique custom furniture made by Battle Rattle Woodworks. He's specialing in charcuterie boards for all those parties you're about to host when this weather gets a little nicer. Even better, if you enter the code CHOP15 at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your entire purchase. Massive savings on some unique American-made stuff. Help support your local veteran right now and visit them on social media at Battle Rattle Woodworks. Hey guys, Sturch here from the Chop Sports Podcast, and I want to tell you a little bit about Sunflower Meadow Seasoning. First of all, a guy my size likes flavor on his food, and there's nobody other than Jess that I go to for that. Her flavors range from French onion, BLT, Cajun country, so much more. They got dip blends, season shakers, smoothie mixes. Not even kidding, I've added some of their smoothie mixes to my post-workout protein shakes, and my goodness, what a difference. Get on over to sunflowermeadowseasoning.com for the their entire list of products. Tell them Chop Sports sent you. 
yeah so uh I, I hit record so technically i guess that means we're uh we're recording the podcast <laughs> rich redmond here my um dude i used to do a joke because it's funny that you you live how long you've been in la i've been coming out here back and forth from nashville like about eight years okay so not super yeah. long but i used to do a bit and and looking at you reminds me of the bit because the bit was uh <laughs> I think it was about me being really insecure and that I moved out to LA to try to do the acting stuff because that's what I really wanted to do. And I go, uh, right. you'd show up and everyone in the room looked just like you, but like a little better. <laughs> that's what you are. You're like a little, no. you're an improved version of me. <laughs> like, dude, no, there, there's this one time I, I auditioned for the young and the restless. Cause you know, when my band is like got a break, like obviously we had a very long break last year, but if we're on a little break or whatever, you know, I've been studying acting and I'm like, Hey, what if I could just get a little small recurring bit part on like the young and the restless. So I go over to CBS on Fairfax. I walk into the Carol Burnett doors. I'm like, how many drummers pro drummers have walked through this door to go do an acting audition? Probably not a whole lot. I get off the elevator on the appropriate floor. I'm supposed to be playing, um, you know, Javier, the construction foreman, right? And uh, I get off the elevator and there's like 20 Javiers and they're all so much taller than me because I'm supposed to be 5'11 and I'm 5'8 and I got some Gene Simmons like actor shoes that have the hidden stilts in them and it got me up to 5'9. It was hilarious. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, I if I was to explain to people what Los Angeles is really like, that where you go, how many? I thought it was gonna. You were gonna say the part was for like a guy with your look, and also had to have drumming skills. Which you would go, how many guys are gonna really be able to play to the level I am and also be actors? <laughs> and then you show up, and there really are like not just not just fifteen other guys there that drum, like literally like guys that you'd recognize from rock bands. Like I'm trying to think oh, Neil oh, no, Perts they, they, in the room. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, none of them drummed. That's what I was saying is like, here I am like just, you know, just walking this tight rope of this brand new thing. Right. And, but, but just to see all those people, when you check in your league, there's 20 Javier's. Yeah. It's like, but in LA, you would think you would have this, you'd be in your head feeling really confident. Like, cause, you know, if they asked me to drum, I got this. And then right. everyone else really drums too. Like what the, f that it's the weirdest place that there's just an abundance of everything. And, yeah. um, but, um, it, it, I don't want to go down the negative angle because, uh, our buddy, uh, Steve Cooper, who's a stand-up comedian I started with, I guess, knows you and said, love Steve. I said to him, I'm doing this podcast, pretender to contender. I want people that uh you know that kind of live that life of going from a pretender to a, a contender and he's like oh well my my friend rich who's the drummer for uh uh i'm forgetting jason aldine jason aldine am i pronouncing it correct aldine jason aldine oh, he goes by aldine 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 my my wife knew knew him very well and then i started studying you and seeing you know how how many different huge stars you've played with and let alone uh you're a huge star of your own so i really appreciate you you oh, come man. here but you, you fit perfect for this because how many people because i talk a lot about acting as being an actor so you're an actor 
You're a motivational speaker, which I've done before. You're a right. you're a accomplished. Uh, how would you? How would you? What would be the? How you would define yourself as a drummer? Oh, so so I'm a recording and touring drummer, and also an educator, which kind of just kind of opens you up to like all the possible things you could do uh-huh. with that particular skill set, you know. So being able to record for people in Nashville or Los Angeles or at my home studio, where I basically can you know, send music files to like people in Newfoundland or Japan or Australia. And then also I can tour with people, do showcases for people. And then as an educator, you can like uh, create webinars and teach at colleges and uh, create kind of training, you know, modules and products and do lessons. And so I try to do it all, you know, it's, 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 it's so fun. Well, I almost feel like the only thing that could be make you not a good fit for pretender to contender is you don't seem like a guy that ever might have felt like he was like a fraud or he was like not really as good as everybody else when he wanted to do something. But because I can tell you, it's funny when you talk to people that are in that motivational field, they're so much different than most of the people. Cause I'm in stand up. It's the opposite. I mean, they are so negative you know, once in a while, you'll catch a comedian who's into like reading the secret. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's positive. And then you'll see him two years later and he's ba- he's back to, you know, negative and hating yeah. himself again. So like if you if I was interviewing you and I had to bring the audience from pretender to contender in the interview, how far would we have to go back where you felt like that, like a pretender? Yeah. What is it? The started the drumming at eight, right? Yeah, it's the impo- that kind of imposter syndrome, um, and you know people people do contend with that. And I I do agree with your observation. I'm a big fan of comedy. I love your brand of comedy, but for the most part, it is you got some serious negative Nellies. But 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 am I right in saying that there's just some troubled individuals, highly troubled individuals that go into comedy because because it's almost like it's tragedy, not across mm-hmm. the board, but there's a tragic things that have happened and it's just very i guess cathartic to go out there and share problems that maybe other people are also feeling but wrap it up in a way that's very you know like that's me too man but doesn't that fall into music too i mean every i used to think and i've noticed this and i made a uh, you know I, i looked at your list of some of the people you've worked with and yeah, maybe not as much in the country. Well, that's wrong. I would say country genre does have a lot of dark Heartache. people that you don't realize are are living a depressed, dark life. Um, yeah. Maybe not as much now as when we grew up. You're around the same age as me. Like, you know, uh, who 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 would be the? Let's think of the all time greatest uh, like uh patsy klein or all these people they had such depressed lives right tanya tucker right was she they had that movie about her yeah yeah tanya's around nashville she's kind of like an iconic um but she had like a messed up life when she was younger and that's what that movie was all about right was that coal miner's daughter oh no that was uh sissy spacek played that and that that was um yeah she played tanya tucker though right no she played that you're gonna embarrass me no, um, coal miner's daughter yeah, was. I'm telling you, it's Tanya Tucker. Go, okay, all right. Google it. Go ahead. I can. That's... I can edit in my podcast. You got oh my a computer God. Well, we in front to... of you? Hold on. 
I mean, technically, I have a computer in front of me, too. No, coal miner's I, daughter, hello. How long have I been living in Nashville? 25 years. That's the Loretta Lynn story. Loretta Lynn. Okay, I'm way off. God. Yeah, well, geez. but that's okay because we are, you know, we need Prevagen because you and I are in that, you know, 50 to death category. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're closer to the vaccine, which is great, but we also are in that, that death category. So right. um, just the fact that we could remember two potential... Mm -hmm people for that movie um but no i mean there's i mean that's a lot of music is like you also have the thing people that celebrate things in life like like love and parties and the the fun part of the human condition but then you also have um the heartache the loss you know and that's country music is you know three chords in the truth and it's telling right. stories of the american heartland and and then when you know when big commercialized countries started happening in the 90s it it became a little bit more formulaic but hey look at anything now hip-hop um rap uh top 40 soccer mom uh you know, top 40 music, that's, it's all very formulaic because then you start analyzing what works and what doesn't work. And maybe that works in comedy too. I mean, I know, you know, there's certain comedians that have that reputation for going to watch other people's sets and stealing the jokes or repurposing their jokes. So they're just, you know what I mean? I know that happens. Yeah. That's gotta happen. That's gotta be really uh, huge in, in the music industry. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, there's only a couple of chords, you know, there's 12 notes and a couple of chords and they've all been done before. And the stories have all been told before. So you just kind of put these things in a new format and try to present it in a new way you know because it's all it's all been said before you know we're just kind of repurposing things and occasionally every 20 years some game changer will come along and, and shake yeah. it up i actually saw that documentary um that i recommended to a friend of mine who was trying to be a songwriter when i was just starting a, a stand-up he moved to nashville and uh he he stayed there for about 10 years and then he, he met his wife down there and then he he moved back and he, he got, he went the normal life. He doesn't do the singing and songwriting anymore. And I'm always like, don't you oh, miss yeah. it? Don't you miss it? And he's like, I'm all right. I'm all right. But, um, I told him to see that documentary. Uh, it all starts with a song. Did you ever hear of this one? I, you know what, but it, it does all start with a song. Really. That's almost like the, uh, you know, the, the mantra for Nashville and what happens mm -hmm. in Nashville, but you're right. No, I need to see that. It's a re one of the best documentaries I've seen, and I've watched a million documentaries during the corona, uh, all about Nashville. And, uh, and the one thing that stood out to me is the way people in Nashville really team up and help each other. Whereas I used to say, if comedians would do that, because I'm in New York City in that comedy scene, if they would team up, that we could be making so many great projects about together, but we're, but we're so like backstabbing and trying to out, we're all like by ourselves instead of building this little all-star team. Like it seems that in Nashville, yeah. that that happens a lot. And that's, Oh yeah. Um, it's happening right now, man. I mean, Nashville is, it's a, it's a songwriting capital of the world and it's an amazing supportive uh, music culture, you know, because I, I do spend, I spend time in New York. I have friends that do Broadway and they play the wedding, the tri-state area wedding scene. And, right. you know, and then I got the folks in LA and it's, it, it's just, it could be because the cities are so spread out and there's, there's less of that connectivity. It's harder to get around, but, uh, but yeah, there's something special about Nashville. It's just a little town with big city opportunities. Of course, it's very cosmopolitan now, you know, we've got martini bars and sushi and ballet parking and it's, it's all grown up now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a secret now if you should <laughs> to, yeah. to go move to Nashville, if you want to be in the music. <laughs>
even I know a few comedians that have even moved down there. It seems like it's a little Hollywood in Nashville now. Well, we got Zanies, which is such an iconic room, man, you know, and uh, there was a truck that drove through the front of the building and just demolished the front of Zanies. And then they, really? I think they quickly repaired it. Zanies is open for business now. I don't know if you're noticing that or if you're doing any touring, but I don't know if they're taking temperatures or they're distancing people, but I mean, folks are working, man. They are back doing the circuit. New York city's about to open back up on April 2nd for comedy. Um, and wow. all the clubs at a 30, 30%, uh, capacity and you can't hang anymore. Like you can't come, you, you gotta, sh you're going on at eight fifteen. you gotta show up at like eight Oh five and then you can come in at eight ten. And then right after your set's done, you gotta leave. You can't wow. sit around, you know? Yeah. But as far as like airs, airflow and stuff man i mean those con those clubs are all so they're underground they're dark they're dank they're ancient yeah, it's like little too uh, yeah so so okay so let's i want to go I'll, i want to go back to the beginning because i i don't know a lot about you you know i scan through your website and your wikipedia and um uh uh and i i, I was impressed so uh oh thanks man so so let's go way back. So when when are you uh, were you ever not so positive? You know what? There was a I've, I've always been like super type A, super energetic, very childlike. I mean, just this morning, my girlfriend told me that I am the oldest five year old she knows. I mean, it's just like I love tapping into that thing. And I mm -hmm. know you understand what I mean, because it, 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 it allows us to hold on to our essence and our, 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 our hustle and that drive to stay tapped into that childlike energy. We need it, especially in these crazy businesses that we're in. So for me, I was just like hitting everything in sight. My dad, I'm Rich Redmond. He's Richard Redmond. He's a little bit more buttoned up, you know, polo shirt. He's uh, an accountant. My mom was a nurse. They recognized that I had that kind of energy. They said, do you want to play the drums? I mean, how cool is that? My parents, so supportive for, you know, Got me drum lessons and I'm, I'm from Connecticut. I'm kind of like an East Coast kid. And, and uh, they got me drum lessons and I fell in love with drums and percussion. And then when the police came out with that record uh, synchronicity in 1983, I was like, you know, Martha Quinn and Nina Blackwood and JJJ. And we had MTV and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So ever since then, you know, the parents got me lessons. They drove me and got me into nightclubs before I was old enough to do that. And, you know, playing weddings. And then I studied music in college. I ended up getting my master's degree at this famed university and studied jazz and classical and got really overeducated. And then after that, I was in the Dallas music scene, which has a very healthy music scene. I mean, there's everything from like reggae to top 40 dance bands, big band, jazz fusion. I played on jingles, but I was like, I have hit the ceiling. There's two places I got to go, New York or LA. And there's just all this Nashville thing. So I started getting auditions in Nashville. I moved to Nashville. Long story short, the first two years are pretty rough. I'm I want to know really cars. quick to sp spin back a second. How'd you end up yeah. in Texas? How'd you end up in Texas? Oh, so I went to Texas. I know you went to Texas. Dad, you got your master's in music. And but how did you pick? What made you pick Texas? My dad picked Texas because he was an accountant. and He got a job at this company called Warnico and they make like, you know, dance skin leotards and Victoria's Secret underwear. Right. But they uh -huh. most of the factories are in like Honduras, Dominican Republic, 
Juarez, Mexico. So we moved to El Paso, Texas, and my dad drove over the border every day for 20 years to help make sure that, that they were sewing Victoria's Secrets up. You know, I, I know the secret. If you guys ever want to know Victoria's Secret. Um, dad joke. Sorry. Total dad joke. I have to really avoid those things because I'm the age, the dad. I'm the dad guy. So anyways, Texas was great because there's so much music education and support for the arts there. And uh, I really got to grow and I moved to Nashville in 1997. And like I said, those first two years of, of, of taking everything I possibly could and going and auditioning for people in these basements that looked like something out of the silence of the lambs and like playing in the clubs till three in the morning and getting up at, and being in front of a classroom at 7 a.m. with my chinos and my briefcase going, okay, kids, we're going to work on two plus two today. And then we're going to take a very long nap. Um, it was like, how come I'm not getting anywhere? And it was just like, it's just that patience and that persistence. So during that, maybe that two year period, I had a little bit of negative Nelly going on and I was raining on Hagen dazs at midnight. And I was like, I've got to get out of this thing. So in 1999, I got my first job, got on the tour bus. Someone was setting up my drums, tearing down my drums. Thank you, Cleveland. I had my water bottle twisted off for me. And that the door had been cracked open. And then I just proceeded to slowly but surely kick it open. But that was probably the last time I was kind of negative Nelly about it. And you just have to reframe your psychology, reframe your thinking. And I've always been a student of positivity, like Napoleon Hill, you know, law of attraction uh, type stuff. You know, we were talking about the secret. I watched that video like for like 30 days in a row, like every morning, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's kind of like law of attraction for dummies, but some of those techniques are really useful, like surrounding yourself with like-minded people and having a great hobby and, and listening to positive literature, watching great movies like Rocky and getting great, getting exercise. All that kind of stuff really can help make a difference in your life. Were your as parents far as your, were your parents really positive? My or dad's a little bit of a, my dad's a little bit more of a realist kind of like a, have a backup plan, son. Be a Boy Scout, you know. Um, you know, have two of everything, and and that's really helped me in life because you know you're playing in front of ten thousand people and you break your bass drum head. I've got the extra head. If you're playing in front of twenty five thousand people and you crack this symbol, you got to have another symbol to put up there. So his kind of like slight negativity was good for me, but my mom was always just like dun dun da da dun. dun you know, cancer survivor, ran the New York City Marathon six months after she beat cancer. She's that, you know, she's that gal. But they're an amazing couple. You know, they balance each other. You know, like those two magnets. You get two magnets around, and it's right. that little slight – they just work great together. They've been married like 53 years. Right. They sound like a super couple. Yeah. Like yeah. my parents are a super couple, but, but, they're but they were very negative growing up. There was a lot of arguing because of negativity. So, I mean, the first thing I noticed that make your parents pretty positive is you have an energy in them saying, let's get you drums. Like that was their pick. They just picked it out of a hat or you said, can I get some drums? I think, I think my old man, Richard Redmond wanted to play the drums secretly as a child. Uh, okay. And this was a way to maybe get that out. I mean, it was his favorite instrument, you know, cause back in the day we had Gene Krupa, you know, doom, doom, so like all, you know, all the older housewives in the, you know, fifties love Gene Krupa. And then Ringo came along in 1964 on the Ed Sullivan show and Ludwig drums could not keep those drums in stock because every, you know, adolescent youth was like, oh my God, these girls are screaming so loud. I want to play the drums. And, and that was like their catalyst for me. It was 1983, Stuart Copeland, you know, and MTV. Right.
Wow. Yeah. So I'm curious also, because you, you, you go to Nashville, were you into country music or were you a drummer who was playing all different kinds of music at that time? I was a drummer that was into all kinds of music. And I mean, basically, I tell everybody when I get up in the morning, I'm basically an overeducated rock drummer. I mean, it's like I love the Beatles and the Stones and the Police and the Van Halen, any kind of the band I'm in. Right. Those are your Mount Rushmore's of rock. And um, at that point in my career, 26 years old, quickly turned 27 when I moved to Nashville, I just wanted a job. My job was to tour the world on someone else's dime and hear myself on the radio and see myself on television. I had a very clear, almost like Jerry Maguire, like show me the money mantra, which was, you know, to travel the world on someone else's dime, hear myself on the radio, see myself on television. And it could be either as a side man, or it could be as a full member of a band, you know, like when you're a member of a band, say like, say you're like in U2 and, and I'm the drummer in U2 and I'm playing with my childhood friends and Bono rings me up and the, helicopter comes to my castle and picks me up and we all converge with our helicopters and and we and we go to and then we go out i'm a full member of band like all of my colleagues that i went to college with and put in their tens of thousands of hours we all ended up as side men or and side women so this ability to speak this language of music that is so broad and so diverse that you can throw us in a Greek wedding band, or you could you could throw us into the bar mitzvah or the jingle session date or the movie session date or playing rock or funk or folk, or and we would swim. And so that broadened my um, skill set, which would allow me to attract more opportunities. And in 1999, I met this young singer-songwriter named Jason Aldean. I had already known several of the guys in his band, and we're all celebrating about oh, 21 years of working together. Which wow. is family. It's amazing. Well, it's it's interesting because it's like it's making I got to be on my toes for this interview because you have so many different things that you're doing really well in, and I'm trying oh, I'm trying to blend it all together here because I you know I want I want these interviews to help other people listening and sure. and, and and be motivated by it and your motivational talks are called the crash course for success. So, I mean, yeah. Um, how would you, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you how to interview you. Uh, how do we get a little bit of that crash course for success and then also learn about um, your really interesting music career? Oh, you know, well, man, thank when, you. When, when, uh, does it, when, when does it come up where you're, you're playing music and then you become all of a sudden you're like, I want to motivate people and tell, and help them and talk to them. Yeah. How has that happened? Someone says, wow, you're really positive. You should be a motivational speaker. How does that happen? Sure, man. Um, well, yeah, the, um, the, my philosophy for cultivating success in life is called crash. And, you know, me being a drummer, it's an acronym. People love acronyms because it helps you remember the concept. So crash stands for commitment, relationships, attitude, skill, and hunger. So commitment, relationships, attitude, skill, hunger. These are five things that literally anyone from any walk of life in any season of their life can use to be successful, not only in their personal life, but their professional life. And let's face it, both those things converge. You know, we take the boardroom home with us. We take our personal life into our professional life. So we want to be as successful and as grounded and as happy as possible. So for me, commitment, that's so paramount, Uh, committing to your craft, committing to your product, committing to your team, committing to your family, you'll be able to write your ticket to success. It starts with that commitment, relationships, 
cultivating mutually beneficial, hopefully sincere, lifelong relationships with people that are like-minded, realizing that attitude is truly 99% of life and that enthusiasm is contagious and that positive people, uh, they live longer, they're healthier, they're happier, they have more friends, they make more money. Skills, we have to identify and develop the skills we need to be successful in our chosen field and also realize that the world is moving so fast that we can't be the fat Elvis. We have to like keep moving forward, learning new skills to keep up with the Joneses, you know, exceed expectations constantly and consistently. And then the last part is hunger, which is, you know, trying to stay tapped into that hunger that burns in your belly to be successful. And those are the kind of people that I like to surround myself with. So that's crash. So you can use any one of these concepts, or you can cross pollinate all of them to just kind of knock your life out of the ballpark. So I came up with that concept probably 13 years ago. And there was a, a, a gentleman who was just was so great to me, my friend, uh, Anthony Grady, he came to one of these what I call drum clinics. So drum clinics are like, you go and this you know, celebrity or drummer who's got some notoriety will come to the local music store and you do a drum solo questions and then you start breaking things down kids might come up and play and then it's q a and there's door prizes and i would do all of these um during the day while i was touring with jason aldean so this this guy anthony is in the audience and he's like man i work for cisco and this is some incredible stuff you're talking about that is very universal that i think people in corporate america would love he hires me for a, a speech for cisco like I said, he changed my life. He opened up the door to a brand new thing. And that led to 11 other speeches for Cisco at all their levels, like from their 800 other new hires at the Venetian Ballroom, all the way to the Ghost Bar at the Palms Hotel with their top 10 brass and then everything in between. And so then I just realized, like you doing corporate comedy, that you could take this template, you could take this mantra, you could take this philosophy for successful living and you can customize it to the audience at hand. So I'll take this thing and I'll talk to at-risk youth. I'll talk to kindergartners. I'll talk to um, an entire arts department at a school. So we're talking the, uh, the theatrical arts, the dancers, the musicians, band, choir. And then I'll go and I'll talk to like a, a big pharma, like a, you know, a big pharmaceutical company or a farming company or a tech tech startup. Right. And people are, they like it because they're like, well, I mean, this guy's not just head to toe polo and khakis with a with powerpoint you know he's like coming out here and he's walking the walk and he's sweating all over me and i tell people my speech is like jerry lewis doing lunch with tony robbins and animal from the muppets wow. and you put it all in a blender and you give people some good positive takeaways and let's face it everyone now because of jeff bezos can be an author so if you have an idea, if you have a concept, you you can become an author. He has created that platform. We don't have to sit outside of Simon and Schuster's office, you know, waiting for them to give us the time of day. We could just put out our product, which is unbelievable. Well, what else that really struck me when I watched your some of your um, motivational stuff on YouTube, you know, me being a guy, you know, and, and, and it, it's so simple what you what you do to be yourself in it which is like like a comedian like me when i get hired to do a corporate all of a sudden i gotta put a suit on i gotta wear i gotta dress like i don't normally dress and i you think it's like maybe we just think that in our head and i'm watching you i'm like you look exactly the same when you're playing a rock concert at the madison 
at Madison Square Garden that you do when you're giving a talk for, uh, a, 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 you know, uh, Hewlett Packard or whatever, you know, it's like, <laughs> ha, did, was there a time where you thought you had to like dress different if you were doing some corporate thing or you just knew right away, I'm being myself? Usually I like to just be myself and sometimes there'll be a, sometimes there'll be a button up shirt um but it's nice and fitted and i ain't tucking it in right and then <laughs> and then and then sometimes i'll have like a like a you know a vintage rock tee and a, and a nice you know um jacket from john barbados or something right. it dresses it up you still look like a guy in a band you don't look like some corporate guy it's like i hate that i do that i'm like why am i think i need to look like them i don't need to look like them why well i saw a bunch of your stand-up you could just wear your you know your fitted leather jackets and stuff it, it just gets hot there's still the lights up yeah. there and you're like and i and i pace like a comedian i'm like damn sebastian maniscalco up there i'm like this. i'm just left and right i'm like windshield wipers um, I, I'm a pacer and I'm a ranter right. and I sweat. And you got to play I, the drum. I mean, that's what else is cool. You figured out a way to play the instrument that you've mastered in your motivational talks. How, how does the drumming come into the, to the, to the corporate world? How, how does it fit in? Well, yeah, well, I like to open the whole show with some drumming because if there's any negative Nellies or naysayers or people that, that, that are glued to their phones and let's face it, like, you know, this big company has paid all this money to bring in a speaker. And there's people in the front row that are knocking out their emails because it's Friday and they want to get home and not out. So you have to kind of fight that. So I run out there and be like, uh-uh, this ain't happening on my time. No way. And so I'm sweating and, and I'm pointing at people and people are like, this guy's crazy. And it's a way to draw them into yeah. my world for the next 30, 45, 60 minutes. Um, and, and that's my goal is to get those people that are on their devices, you know? So, uh, but, but no, it's just man's first instrument. The drums are, it's in our DNA. It's, it's like hardly anyone goes to buy popcorn or goes to the bathroom during the drum solo. They might during the bass solo, but during the drum solo, people are like, they're, they're like, Oh my, because we're just so tapped into that thing. So, and it's a way for me to physically, um, it's the physical manifestation of everything that I'm talking about, passion, purpose, persistence, determination, dreams, goal setting. And they see me sweat, just tasting my sweat. And they're like, I, what if I took a, just some of that energy and applied it to improving my, uh, my family life or my business or growing my business, you know? And, and so hopefully that's, that's what I'm accomplishing, you know? Well, I mean, it was something I noticed really on because I've experimented with so many different things as a stand-up comedian over 30 years. But one thing, if you're going to use an instrument, you better be really good at it. And you are. So it's like, it's the same as like, I can do a voice impressions and I can do them really well. So like, yeah, don't, it, 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 there was a time as a stand-up comedian, I know lots of guys that social media changed it, where in New York City, especially, everybody had an attitude. They were like, this is the exact way you have to do stand up. You have to dress this way and just stand there and do your jokes. You're supposed to be. They used to they used to use the word monologist. You have to give your monologue. You can't move around too much or they won't book you on the Tonight Show or the Late Show with David Letterman. And everybody thought that was what you where you had to um, get to to make it. They didn't know that, like, there were other ways that you can make it. There's not one 
avenue, not one yeah. lane. That, that was the goal, right? Yeah, if you're to if do... you bounce around and you're hilarious when you bounce around, bounce around. Like, but these comedians oh put these rules out there, and like I have a friend who does these incredible characters, and he's got like a million followers on his Instagram page, and not till he stopped worrying about what everybody else thought did he start really yeah. kicking ass. I've been there. I've been there because when I moved to Nashville, it's like, you know, you got this kid from New England who's got tons of energy and talks really fast and has a to-do list a mile long. Mm -hmm. And I moved to Nashville, area code 615. And it's like, it wasn't, I'm not saying people had straw in their teeth and were like on horseback, but it was much slower. It was slower than Texas, you know, and, and I realized, well, maybe I have to be at this pace. Maybe I have to operate my life like this to be invited into the club. And um, as soon as I realized that I was just going to completely honor my God-given talents and uniqueness, because we all are truly one of a kind, snowflakes, um, things started to happen. Like just owning your thing and just being like, ta-da, thank you, God, this is what I am. Um, you know, but, uh, and, and, and you've accomplished, I would say most of your childhood dreams. I mean, all the TV shows you've played on, you've done the Craig Ferguson's and did you do Letterman? Yeah, I did Letterman a couple yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, but that's gotta dreams, be a great, you know, your dreams change after, as you achieve things, you, your sure. dreams get bigger and bigger, you know, it's just, that's what, you know, sometimes is hard and you, you having so many avenues, how, cause I, in my career, People will rip on me because I'm a guy that has like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to uh, I want to write this. I want to do sure. uh, motivational talks like um, and then people say you, you're trying to do too many things. You need to be in one lane. You hear that so much in, in 2021 by every motivational guy, except for I was watching Gary Vanderchuk recently. who I love that guy. I always bring him. Yeah, up. he just says whatever the hell he wants to say. and People love yeah. it. He said something. He goes, no, you don't have to be in one lane. He's like, nope. put whatever well, you want on your pages. You don't need one. And you're someone who's succeeding in like five lanes. What's your advice on that? Well, the man, it's a, thank you so much. It's a great observation. You know, they do say this is the, for some reason in, in human history, when if you're the person that wants to create a product and have click funnels and, you know, really grow that one thing, then they say that you have to go narrow and deep, not wide. Hey, my podcast is like, I'm interviewing just like you, comedians, authors, thought leaders, producers, musicians. You, all you have to do is be a nice person and be creative and I can have you on the podcast. And other people are like, no, it's supposed to be just drummers or just comedians or just authors. And I'm like, nah, that's not interesting to me. That's that's So I'm going to do my own thing. And if it takes five years longer than it's supposed to, so be it. Um, but I think at first it is good to be to, to cultivate something and to nurture it and to get really good at it. For, for me, for 30 years, it was the drums. And, but in the back of my mind, it was like, I've always been a good writer. I have the gift of gab. I'm not afraid of standing in front of an audience. I have a teacher's heart. I've always loved Three's company and comedic timing and the, 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 the idea of being an actor and uh, kind of expressing myself that way. So if you look at all these God-given abilities and over 30 years, you get really good at the drums or comedy, and then people know you for that. And then because of that, they're willing to hear your table pitch or listen to you or take you seriously in your next venture, which actually gives us a massive 
um, leg up over the 22-year-old barista that works on the corner of La Cienega and Beverly and is hoping <laughs> to get that next audition, right? It's like, what are right. they bringing to the table? Well, maybe they're incredibly good looking and they can make a mean, mean cup of coffee. But for us guys who got really incredible at something, it's going to really help to open up these other doors. So, I mean, yeah, I've got all these different lanes going and some are further along than others, mm -hmm. but it's just because there's only 24 hours in the day, man. And like, you know, you got to sleep a little, you got to have a little bit of a personal life. But my idea is to just kind of like be movie. People are like, what'd you do during the pandemic? Well, I was like, I don't want to be the same person a year later. So so I read a lot of books and I watched a lot of Netflix and I took online acting classes and I submitted monologues and I auditioned for indie films and I got a new hosting agent. I wrote a TED talk. I flew to Nashville 12 times to wear the mask and to play on records and risk my life to play on that record. So as long as we're moving that ball down the field and we're not letting the moss grow, because let's face it, you don't want to rot on the vine. You want to take that grape that you have and you want to nurture it and you want to turn it into something amazing like fine wine fine music you want to make people laugh i think making people laugh is one of the greatest gifts you can give someone because there's so many psychological and physiological things that happen from laughing it is such a good healthy thing and to be an observationist and go out there and put it all together and talk about being brave you know the people that go to do those open mics. They're like, look, you got three minutes, kid. If you suck, that could be the longest three minutes of your life. <laughs> and yeah, so man. massive props to you guys, because you had to go through all that. Like I got three minutes. I got five minutes. I got 15. I got a half an hour comedy central. I got a new one hour Netflix, but I know what goes into crafting that one hour. I mean, a lot of bombing goes into crafting the hour. So I have nothing but respect for you guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have, um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a, some more, a, a few more questions on my list here. And, and one that just came up as you were talking, I'm like, is there anything that you, is there anything that you feel like you still haven't done yet? <clears throat> I, I didn't ask you about your personal life. I mean, your career seems pretty set, you know, cause you got five, you got like five categories there and uh they're all seem like they're in check so uh i don't know is there anything else is there any personal stuff that you want to achieve hmm well let's get your girlfriend um, in here bring her get her in the room yeah <laughs> that's what howard stern would do get could you get your girlfriend in here <laughs> make you go it's, get it's, her. beth <laughs> come start on asking her you, i questions. need you to weigh in on this he'd be like yeah yeah is this guy this the positive or is this bullshit <laughs> Man, I, I, I'm pretty happy in all areas. I mean, I've gone through some tough times. I mean, I don't know how many times you've been married. I've been married a couple of times. It's hard mm -hmm. when you travel and you're like, Hey, how many shows are you going to do this year? Oh, 220. And then you add the travel days and you realize, Oh my God, I was gone 320 days to do those 220 shows. So, so, you know, when you're a troubadour and you're taking comedy to the people or you're taking motivation to the people, or you're taking music to the people, it's really hard on a um, personal life, but I'm in a, such a great space. I have a wonderful, awesome girlfriend here in Los Angeles. She's a fashion designer and she's had a career like mine where, you know, how little girls, they dream about being a, princess or dressing the princess and she right, went on right. to dress princesses for 
30 years. And so we have a lot in common to where it's like, we had this childhood dream and we made this thing happen from the sweat of our brow. And there was a, some hard times. There was a lot of ramen noodle and we heard the word no a lot, you know, but um, I think I'm in a pretty good space at this halfway point. Of course, my dad would say, Rich, you really think you're at the halfway point? Um, how many hundred years old, hundred year olds do you know? You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> so like every, so, every so, day moving forward is just a gift, you know? So you're not somebody that's like, oh, well, I haven't um, won a Grammy or I haven't won an Oscar. You're not somebody that's like, that, that's like driving. That isn't what drives you. No, the award is not the, the, because when you start adding like a competition factor into the creative arts, it seems like a weird thing. And of course the popularity is a lot of singing shows and comedy shows and mm -hmm. talent shows. We, America loves that. I guess it goes all the way back to vaudeville, but I am not, I am not studying acting and hosting for awards. It's just like some sort of an interesting thing that deep down makes me happy that I know that I have a, a little talent for and i just want to see where it can come where it's right. it's like all icing on the cake at this point i mean the main thing was like to get on stage behind a set of drums and every day that right. was like you know i'm a craftsman like i just want to be in my craft every right. day doing something creative i mean just the other day i went to a friend's house here in los angeles he's got a home studio and it was like someone sent these files and the headphones go on and you hit the drums, you start playing, then I'm overdubbing a tambourine, then I grab this bass drum that's got this goat skin head, I'm beating it. I'm like, this is the most amazing job in the world, you know? And, and, and we impact people with our craft, man. You know, like some songwriter maybe slaved over this song and telling this story for a year of their life and they're trusting me to bring it to life for them. It's a massive responsibility, man. You know, but it's cool when it all comes together. Yeah, and it's it's and it's all performing. It's not like one of these is uh is so su such a far away turn from being a, a musician or an actor or a, or a songwriter or a yeah. motivational speaker. It is all commanding a presence and performing. Um, yeah. Okay. So so let's end this interview with well the two. I guess the two number one musicians out of all the people you've worked with on that, I looked on your Wikipedia page, long list that interests me the most, the people that I like the most. Um, <laughs> there's more than two, but the two that really grabbed me was Bob Seger and, and Chris Cornell, the late great yes. Chris Cornell. So um, what, what was your connection with Bob Seger? Well, here's the deal. I have friends who have deeper relationships and, connections with those artists but for me mm -hmm. so many great things have happened to me in my life through my relationship with jason aldean and his band because we've done okay. so many television shows so yeah, yeah, chris cornell was a over, television right? show yeah he was a, he was a he was a god god rest his soul he was a guest on a television show that we did from the skirmerhorn symphony center in nashville which is this beautiful venue and so that was fantastic he was a sweet guy um, you know, dressed to the nines, killed it. it, just a nice, nice individual. And then speaking of another nice individual, Bob Seeger. And Bob Seeger, like, talk about, like, you know, like a rock. I mean, this guy, like, everybody's familiar with him. Right. But he solidified that notion that a lot of the people that have made it and are, like, icons are there for a reason because they're just such nice people. He came in 
knew our music by heart, knew all the guys in Jason's band by name, had a firm handshake, was just such a nice guy and was just so happy to be there. And we made great music together on this on this Crossroads special on CMT. It was really, really great. I think that that phrase, what you just said, happy to be there is a great uh, definition for you and what's probably made you very successful. And I used to tell young comedians that a lot when they would ask for advice, I'd say, it's it's something that's hard to teach, though. Can you teach someone how to be happy to be there? Because I used to say, and it's the same with musicians as comedians, the people that bring you on the road, they like they bring you on the road because you're positive. You're fun to be around. You make them feel less shitty. <laughs> and I could see, like, who wouldn't want you around? You know, like, there's never probably a day where you're like, yeah, dude, I'm, I drank too much. I'm feeling like shit. I'm depressed. Well, I mean, there, I mean, hangovers are tougher mm. over 50, man, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I mean, I, you know, it's, I think it's so funny that you say, is there anything you haven't done? I, I would love to do three minutes, you know, and kill, you know what I mean? It's Stand at one point three, I knew that you want to do a three minute I, set. I, I just I just have to make sure that it is rock solid. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, basically, yeah. When when you're doing those motivational talks, I saw you got a lot of jokes in there, and you're you're make, you're getting laughs. This I do I do have some go tos that are some pillars, mm-hmm. and I and just all pull honesty, your three best talk. minutes out. We should talk because I I, I do I, I'd love to have some more uh, left hooks that come out of nowhere that I can really lean into at any at any time. What makes you say three minutes? I mean, the most stand up on TV is usually if you don't know this, like late night talk shows is usually four and a half to five. Uh, but but aren't aren't those Monday night open mics like in your nobody three? Oh. Or you get three minutes. Maybe, right. maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I, those I wouldn't recommend going doing one of those. Those can suck. I mean, that'll make you maybe not want to do it again if you have to go up in front of all comedians. Um, Ooh, I don't know yeah. if it's the same but, in I mean, Nashville I'm... where you got to play in front of all band members. Do they listen? Are they good audiences? Because comedians are bad audiences. Yeah, but there's on, on some of those Monday nights. There's got to be, you know, the girlfriends of the comedians going to be there. The staff's going to be there. Some regular Joes are going to be there. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just got to be, it's got to be good. I got to work it out and then get up and do it because I'm sure it's somewhere somebody would let me get up. I'd let you get up. I, <laughs> I used to make, I used to have different uh, musicians in my comedy career. I've always tried weird shit with musicians where I mix them into the audience and people think they're a regular person that I just happen to bring up. I used yeah. to, I used to do this bit where I'd play the guitar really bad. Like I could play, but I would play really bad on purpose. And a friend of mine who was this unbelievable singer songwriter would just start, you know, heckling me basically, but like positive. He like, he knew what song I was trying to play. And then I, I pretend I didn't know him and I'd bring him up. I'm like, are you, can you play? And then I'd hand him the guitar. Do you sing? And then like, he'd be unbelievable in the place. You, you want people to get ex- like normal music venue. Nobody cares when you're good. But like when you're at a comedy club and they just think he's some regular guy, they go, they go fucking ballistic. They're like, oh yeah. my God, this just happened. And we never knew after we did the bit if we should let the crowd know that we're messing with them. And I knew this guy all along, or do we like ruin ruin it for them? Because they're so happy that they thought something spontaneous just happened. 
Right. You know, right, right, right. it'd be like you well, if I mean, you had a drum set behind you, but it, they, they thought it wasn't yours. <laughs> and then towards the end, you're like, I think I could do this. And you're like, you're like, <laughs> and you slowly kind of <laughs> get it. Yeah. You, you, that'd be a funny bit. <laughs> Pretend you well, don't what's know. The, what's the angle? What's the angle with like, like corporate comedy? Is it a thing where you have to have the, the speech has to have a little bit of a theme to it and it's presented in a seriously funny manner or it's a thing where you're just doing comedy and then sprinkling in some funny things about the product or service that at the um, event it's crazy with corporate it depends like i got i've gotten hired the best corporate gig i ever had was last year i got hired to go to cabo san lucas it paid nice. a real lot of money um but the gig ended up kind of being really hard because i didn't know going in that i'm performing on, on the beach, basically. It was like this amazing hotel venue. The hotel faced the beach and they laid out, they had a whole like, you know, hardwood floor that faced the, the ocean. And now I'm on stage doing comedy facing the ocean and the echo was like literally, and I, usually that doesn't bother me. The echo was like ridiculous. And um, you probably know this from playing big venues. If you have monitors, the venue or the uh, that echo can be minimized by having monitors all over. They didn't have monitors. So I'm like, hello, hello, hello. I'm like, uh, I couldn't even oh, think no. while I was on stage. And then um, and then sometimes with corporates, you know, that you can't curse. You can't do your thing the way you normally do it. So it, it gets a little harder. Yeah, Gary V. It's so funny. You're talking about Gary V. You know, there is no no swearing clause in his contract because he swears like a sailor. Yeah. And I don't well, know if he's always different. done this. But, Corp corporate yeah. motivational speaking, like if you're just talking, but when you're a comedian, it's very similar to being a drummer. It has a rhythm. It's like da 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 jen, da 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 jen. There are all these little jokes in there, right? Yeah. And um, sometimes uh, corporate can be hard because they're, you know, they're pulling your words out. You can't say this. You can't say that. They're not letting you fly the way you want to fly. And I used to say that's why it pays 10 times more than if I go to a comedy club because now I got to yeah. figure it out. I got to rewrite. I got to write a new thing or I have to, you know, do something crazy. So you've probably done all the rooms, right, Joe? You probably have done like all the rooms at the comedy store and the improv on Melrose and yeah, I've done the all laugh those. factory. And yeah, not as much as I, I used to do them a lot. I lived in LA for a time and I lived. And then in times, you know, in, as a New York comedian, if you had sets in LA, that's usually cause something really great was happening in your career. Like you had to perform for a network cause they were going to make a TV show about you, you know, and they set up a showcase at the laugh factory. Like I've had all those like major peaks, you know, yeah. now they, now, but like you, you do something smart, which is, you said you go, you go back and forth, you go back and forth Nashville. Like as a comedian, maybe it's cause I'm a dad and I have two kids mm. and I'm, and I'm married that like you get lazy with that knowing that going to LA two or three times a year is probably important and you just don't because you don't feel like it anymore. Yeah, but you're in the Big Apple, man. That's so so you're out there doing um the comedy cellar and the under the underground and all that. Yeah, and it, but it changes. You get, you know, a new booker comes in. Now you got to you're this guy that's been in New York for 30 years and now 
you know, and you're getting gray and everybody's 24 years old. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if that happens for you as a musician. Hey, just for men, but I, I'm, I'm literally, I took, I dyed my hair like for 15 years, starting at like age 34. I just took three years off just to kind of see what this thing would be. And I've been experimenting with like how fast I can get into different looks. And, um, I don't know. When I go back and tour, I'm going to just for men it like crazy. Are you really? You got to look. Well, yeah. how, how, how old's Jason? Um, Are you Jason allowed to is say? seven years younger than me. Yeah, we, we're, we're, we're a very experienced band. I mean, we're like hundreds of years old. Do you, you know, have we're, young we're fans? Of... Is that why you need to look like you don't have gray hair? Because the gray no, looks just, cool yeah. to me. I think the gray looks good for an actor and a host. But I think uh, maybe I'll go back to... Uh, dying it up a little for the for the uh, working drummer um but we're no there's a lot of experience man we got a lot of experience in our band man and it's it's a good thing we're, we're the ogs now i never thought that would happen like right. to be original gangsters now i mean this is it, it happens it happens fast i don't know where the time went how old are the other guys in the band are they all oh we're yeah we're you? like 46 47 53 um 42 one guy's on pushing 60 so like we just say we're we're good man you got all those years of experience man you seem pretty unstoppable band nobody's and they're all dying their hair everyone in the band's dying their hair yeah everybody man everybody everybody is musicians care about that stuff i definitely noticed that or they just shave it bald right that's the other way Uh yeah, I mean man. the guys with a lot of a, a lot of testosterone. Bald men have tons of testosterone. That's the deal. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, <laughs> so I see also in your Wikipedia it says you had num you had two number one songs as a songwriter. I want to know what those are and oh, three number great. ones I I as a, a producer. What? Yeah, I didn't know I had a wiki. Um, I I think somebody was working on that for me, and 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 it's so funny. I haven't seen it. Um, but it's good to know. Um, yeah, I I have three number one songs as a songwriter. There's this great band in Australia called the Wolf Brothers, and they have like a silent E on their name. You know, like the Wolf Abra, the Wolf Brothers, great guys. And we wrote songs together, and they cut three of the songs that I co-wrote. So um, not many drummers can say they've had three number one songs with a Tasmanian pop country band. I mean, these are great guys. So that's a fun little feather in my cap. And then um, with the guys in my band, I had a company called New Voice Entertainment for about a decade. And we produced two number one songs for a group called Thompson Square, which is it's like a husband and wife, like pop country duo. Mm -hmm. And then we had a number one song for, for these guys from Parmalee, North Carolina called Parmalee. And so, uh, yeah, these are all kind of like interesting chapters of my life where it's like, oh, yeah, you learn how to play the drums. You do some touring. You get good enough to start recording. Then someone says, hey, do you want to write some songs with me? You start producing records. There's all these kind of like interesting lanes. So like if you're in comedy, you could become a showrunner or, you know, you're uh, you're an actor. And then before long, you're, you're writing scripts and you're selling scripts and then you're behind the camera. So all very similar stuff, you know. Right. So, so what do you want to, uh, what are you, uh, what are you plugging the hardest right now? What do we want to plug here? Your podcast? Do we want to plug? Oh man, you've been plugging, you've been plug <laughs> yeah, everybody can go to, uh, richredmond.com, uh, R-E-D-M-O-N-D. That'll be kind of a hub for all things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. If you want to read my book, you know, you can get it right there on Amazon. It can be delivered right to you as a dead tree. You could download it to your Kindle or your iPad, or if you really love my soothing pipes, 
I can read you the book on Audible. And it's actually a free offering. If you subscribe to Audible, you can get my book for free. Um, and I guess if you're a corporation out there and you want me to MC or host or do a speech for you, hey, that's, I'm going to go right into this camera right here <laughs> and motivate the masses. So we're, ha- well, I'm, we're having I'm going to play man. a little clip of your uh, I'll give you a little tease when we go into this interview, because I do a I'll do a piece at the beginning and, and at the end of the podcast. Every episode has a, has a takeaway, which is a great takeaway from interviewing you. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll show them a little bit of your uh, your speaking skills and your and your drumming skills, if you don't mind. I love it. Play that out there. No, I love it. And Joe, I think that we would be crazy if we didn't keep in touch because I can you imagine me and you on a corporate double bill, where it's like I can open for you, you can open for me. We, it's a double bill. It's got you got comedy, you got motivation, you got music. Oh my god, it'd be great. I would love it. I'm half Italian. Are you really perfect? perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I thought your last name was Matarisi. It is, but it's Matarisi. Matarisi. Okay, got Matarisi. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you do a little cooking for that stuff, or what? What do you think? Uh, I try. I try. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm a little into it. All That's right, cool. man. Well, uh, we can. Uh, we can. We can end there. And, dude, I think I thank you so much for doing this. And and uh, what's the name of the podcast that you have, so they can go? Uh, the podcast is super original title. It's called the Rich oh, Redman Show. It's perfect. <laughs> How can you not find the Rich Redman Show? Maybe you could have yeah, me as fun. a guest on your podcast. That's what we got. I would next. love that. I had Dusty Slay on. You know Dusty Slay? It was, I do he's not. kind of like a Southern comedian. He's been on uh, the David Spade show, Lights Out, a couple of times. But okay. he's, you know, he's got the long hair and he's going for more kind of like that kind of. You might be a redneck approach, but a kind right. of an update of that. He's funny. Is he in LA? He's in Nashville. He's in. He'd be good to have him on your show. I'll connect you guys. Okay, I'd love to have him. Yeah, I'd love to have him. Yeah, because. He struggled and climbed the ranks like you guys do, man. One open mic at a time. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely a struggle. All right, dude. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I I really appreciate you doing the podcast. You're you're so Absolutely, motivating, man. man. I love it. I love it. Joe, it's a real pleasure, man. Keep in All touch, right, man. man. Stay in touch, definitely. Have a killer day. Later, buddy. Hey, guys. It's Sturge from the Chop Sports Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about LVC Transport. I recently just had to help a family member move after living in the same house for over 20 years. You know what that means. That's a lot of stuff. So I called my buddy Chris over at LVC Transport. He hooked it up with a massive dumpster. Huge discount. Now, he's looking to help out every member of Chop Sports. Call him today. Drop the name Chop Sports, and he's going to take 10% off the top right away. Just say Chop Sports, and he's taking 10% off off the top get your free estimate today give them a call 908-705-3006 health and fitness professionals is your one-stop shop for all things sports medicine they now have four locations in woodbridge scotch plains south plainfield and freehold new jersey they're now offering physical therapy occupational therapy pain management chiropractic services acupuncture cryotherapy you name it they do it i can't say enough about their chiropractors on site i get adjusted literally three times a week to get my old 35 year old self feeling as best as possible contact them today check out their website www.hfrehab.com for more info all right so 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 you need the music 
as I have my glasses on, I'm feeling very serious. Yeah, you're very intellectual. This is intellectual Joe. Yeah. Just, I just wrote a book. <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, I just grabbed a book to kill a spider in the kitchen, so that's sort of close. So, uh, so Mike, so what did you think? What did you think of uh, Rich? I, uh, I sent you the, I sent you his whole interview. Yeah. So you did see it, even though, yeah. uh, you know, you weren't there for the interview. Right, right. I thought, I thought Rich was a very interesting human being. Um, I, I, I loved uh, a couple of things that I really loved a lot. I love this crash acronym. I thought that was very interesting. And you see, the thing is, is that it's while it's not earth shattering. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who recognized the simplicity of it and it worked for him and and this is what i love about guys like this he just puts it pays it forward he realized wow this is so simple maybe other people don't see it or when we put these words and these concepts together it can really be a powerful tool to be successful and i i i can really appreciate that for me the thing that he reminded me of is something that i i believe in he he but not to the degree that a lot of people believe in it. He talked about The Secret. Now, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar, but The Secret, I believe, was a book that yeah. I actually read. Yeah, I read this book a long time ago. I didn't know what it was. I, I love to read. I have hundreds of books on my bookshelves, and The Secret was one of them. And then I, I realized it became this philosophy, and then they made a movie out of it and so on. And um, I'm not a big believer in fate. Or destiny. I believe we make our own fate. I, I I believe that wholeheartedly. What I believe about the secret and that he said, surround yourself with like-minded people. In other words, what you put out into the universe is what you're going to get back. But it doesn't work like if you want a million dollars, you put that out in the universe. You can't say you want it. You, you do have to go and earn it. In other words, if I was a jerk and I never really... I got along with people, and whenever I did talk to people about Rocky, I came off like a chooch or a, uh, an idiot. I wouldn't have built the relationships I built in Philadelphia with key people. I didn't know they were key people, but they were key people that kept me going to the next level in my my journey to Oz, uh, if you want to look at it that way. So, in a way, it's just putting it out there. Put out your best part of yourself, and people will gravitate to you and say, you seem like a nice guy. You know, I have a similar story. And now you got two people who would have been strangers. And now you're like-minded individuals. And then you can kind of move forward on a journey together. So if anybody is listening, that's that's one of the, that's one of the things I took away, the, the secret from him. And, uh, you know, he seems like a great guy. If, anyone, if anyone's actually listening to our podcast. Yeah, if I haven't put anyone to sleep by my <laughs> stupid Rocky stories and all about me... Uh, this this interview hopefully will have woken some people up, and uh, there's some good nuggets of wisdom from uh, from Rich. Yes, I, I agree, and uh, and you made me realize that because uh, I was like, well, you know, I loved I loved this interview. How can I uh, take a takeaway from that and apply it to my life? And you had said to me uh, when we weren't recording, you know, because you're doing a lot of things. As I said at the end of the top. Um, I started this side career of uh, working with one of my wife's um, best friend's husband who's um, in the construction business and me being somebody that's always been interested in that. And I had told him years ago, if you ever, you know, need any help, let me know. I'm so interested in learning all this stuff. 
And then we had a couple of long phone calls. And I started to realize that I don't have to... It's like, it's similar to like when I thought I had to go onto every podcast or every, you know, every job that's ever offered to you. And then you start to realize, you know, your lanes and where you want to go and what your end goals are. And then I realized after talking to him on the phone, I don't have to just show up and fucking break my back and get my hourly pay. Yeah. I, this is the first time, like, first of all, I'm, him and I are having a great time when we're together. We're like laughing, right? He doesn't take his job too seriously. Like those are the guys I never worked well with those people that had like fucking rules and you weren't allowed to talk and you were like, blah, blah, blah. Like I can, and I could tell, and he's a nice guy and he lets me know. He's like, this is going to work. I kind of, he's been alone for so long doing this business probably gets fucking depressed. You get bored or depressed or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we're having a good time while we're out there. And at the same time, I started to realize, I said, well, one, let's, you know, bring the social media into it, which is not something I'm starting to get really good at it. I go, yeah. you know, he wants to do these really elaborate uh, design jobs on people's outdoor spaces. And uh, I said, you know, I can bring you clients. We got to do the, the social media part, blah, blah, blah. I already got him one client who were going to look at his space. Uh, and nice. uh, it just started. It's so fun how that it feels. Yeah. Now it feels creative. And then I had dinner last night with one of my uh, one of my wife and I have a couple that we're friends with. And the, the yeah. wife of uh, this guy, their house is like, you know, those people's houses. You walk in and you're like, oh, I want your house. Their house is <laughs> fucking so well done. It's really? such an old, unique house, and she's just amazing. And I'm always like, you should be like a designer. And I've always said like that I wanted to do that side of things. And then I was yeah. like, I said to her last night, I go, I already realized in a second, like this guy I'm working for, you know, sometimes his job can get fucked up because he pitches this elaborate project and the people have their own designer. And their designer could come in and disagree with this, 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 and this. And now he makes right. less money because the designer changed it. And instantly I was like, dude, you need to be an, a full service thing. You need your own designer who's on board with you. Yeah. You design it and they're like, yes. Like, you just lost 50 grand because some other fucking lady didn't want this, this, and this because it didn't fit her mind. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm your designer. We, and, and I could go in and work with, the, you know, we fucking... You know, let me uh, as right. they, as, as I call right. it, uh, gay gay up their house. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Or okay. I should have I should have a gay, I should get a gay guy, man, like a gay guy designer. Anybody's out there listening or watching this podcast, let me know if you're like maybe you're a designer for a living. It's just fun. It's really fun taking pieces from yeah. all different parts of your life and, and, and connecting them. You know, like I I told you in the yeah. off in the. Uh, we weren't recording that a guy moved across the street from me. Oh yeah. Is a, a DP. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm already, uh, Oh, I didn't tell you this. This is a little side note. Uh, so Stacy and I started writing and stuff. Stacy yeah. who wrote it Adrian Balmoa, but it's, it's really good. We have this really, Great. uh, interesting project that we're working on. Beautiful. And, and, um, I got an agent now, right? Because I started getting right. these vo- voiceovers and on-camera yeah. auditions. 
And then, in my head, I was like, Stacy, I, I, I pitched us as a writing team. Like, I love to go way ahead. I'm like, you, have you, to. you guys you repre have to. You represent actors. And I go, you represent writers, too? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do any writing? And I'm like, yeah. You know, even though I've only, right. I'm writing one thing with her. I said to Stacy, right, like, this right, is right. a spec script, what we're writing now. Um, Adrian Balboa, if you fix it, it could be something that is a writing sample. Maybe you make yeah. a shorter ver. Everything you write now is a sample, and we can, you know, maybe we get, who knows? I go, who knows? We got to be able to to write episodic television. I mean, I, yeah. I know, I know we could do that so it's just it's just fun everybody to not worry about if you just keep putting that shit out like uh That's exactly right rich does things start to slow as you get older yeah you see my hands they start they start to do this they start to overlap and you're like now Full this gosh. guy's giving you money at yeah. this thing to do yeah. that and then the, it's just um right it's kind of fun if you if you stay positive you know and you don't Listen to anybody else. I right. mean, listen to Gary Vanderchuk, which my great advice from that guy. I'll even turn the music up for this one. He says, don't listen to the positive feedback or the negative. Just listen to yourself and right. you'll be you'll be good. You don't. He goes, yeah. don't need don't need anybody to tell you it's a good idea. Yeah. Just go. I would agree. That's how I live my life. Yeah. So, uh, dude, it was good to have you. Uh, good to have you back, sitting in. Love having. Yeah, no, it's back. awesome. Um, I'll be taking the next six months off, but I'll be back. So, <laughs> yeah. Good night, well, everybody. Has no. it? Oh. When, when is your most uh, busy uh, month? How's uh, How's April looking? Are we gonna have you on a podcast? Uh, Are you super April, crazy busy in April? Yeah, I, I got about twenty tours so far in April. So twenty. Uh, yeah, yeah. April, April took off like a dog race, man. It's, How about it's when it gets really hot out? Do you die down in like August? Or no, something? it's even worse. And, you know, I hate the heat. I think the heat are for people who are like mentally imbalanced and unsound. But uh -huh. more people travel, and and so that's the, the my busiest time is usually from April until the end of November. And you know, oh, I'll be wow. doing thirty to fifty tours a month. Maybe not now with COVID because international travel is still screwed up, but yeah, we're getting there. And it, we, as long as you and I can figure some time to record these, um, you know, I can, I can jump on and, and be part of it. But the last I couple of weeks have been tough. My, my even though I'm overloaded, also now yeah. with with the the you know working with uh, my new my new uh, boss and, and doing all this comedy and acting right. and all of it together. There's always there's always an hour, you know, even if it's ten, it's nine thirty at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, we should be able to do it and uh, and and keep every, our both of our social medias are, are on the top here. If you wanted to book Mike for a tour, you got the at the Yo Philly Rocky Film Tour at the Joe Matteris up there. Uh, if you got some sort of outdoor job and you live somewhere in the, the New York or Connecticut area, you let us know, dude. He's doing, we're doing like two hundred thousand dollar backyards. Like we're fucking going, we're going in. I mean, and we're contracting it out to a lot. of We have like a team working for us. It's pretty cool. We're gonna so, see you on HGTV soon. He wants to be. He wants to be. So we'll start. I, I've been adding stuff onto our Patreon page where I've been on the job, 
Uh, nice. We also have to do a live episode soon. We're due. I don't know if you have time this week. Only for the Patreon people, we do a Zoom where they're all on there. Yeah, right. So you got to sign up for our Patreon. And these aren't going to be premiered with their comments anymore. I don't know if you saw that, that I'm, I'm putting them up on Patreon to premiere. So only the Patreon subscribers can write in, unfortunately. You know, it, it lost the positive vibe with just the yeah. fucking idiots that were in there. So when can someone see, when will people be able to see the podcast who are not part of Patreon? Tuesdays. They, they're all, they're always going to go up and they're I, just, gotcha. I think they just go up in the YouTube feed on Tuesdays at seven and then eight o'clock, the audio comes out on Tuesday. And nights. then the comments are only on Patreon. Yeah, they can write comments. It's just, they can't. That chat window. Uh, the chat window. You That's and I, I mean. aren't going to be in it. We're going to be in the Patreon chat. Yeah. Window, and okay. we'll be, and we're a hundred percent accessible on the live episodes. Every, yeah. Er, 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 once, once a month for Patreon subscribers. Right, and, and right. also a little tease here. We have, uh, we were on a podcasting network now too. I, I, uh, I hooked us up with a podcasting network, Jimmy Palumbo's podcast. Yeah. He's on yeah. that podcasting network. And, uh, they asked us if we wanted to be on it. So we should have some advertisers pretty soon and uh, and a whole team kind of behind the podcast. So lots of shit are starting to ramp up and overlap. It's awesome. It's I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we're going to have lots more stupid Stallone stories from me coming. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Where's my fucking music? That's not it. This is it. Ah, oh, there we go. All right, boom. Man. It's a seven-hour episode, but uh, now that we have a podcast uh, network, they're going to have some editing work to do for us. I look That's forward true. to it. That's true. That's true. And we're going to have to edit in a swear jar for every time you drop the F-bomb. Could you imagine the dollars we could rack in? That will be great. <laughs> All right, millionaires. Man. Shout, All right, out man. To, shout out to Bill Matarese, my dad. He's uh, He's been watching every one of our episodes. He's been loving Big it. Bill. Big Bill, a little shout out to my dad. Thanks, dad. Awesome. Thanks for watching these, dad. Love you. Uh, keep punching, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>